Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Everybody and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Sydney, welcome back to the saddle. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. The podcasting saddle. Also, I meant to tell you, I had saddles installed in this room, got I, rid of all the chairs. I wondered why the seat was so uncomfortable, and yet at the same time, I mean, I feel ready to like go ahead. Head out on the trail. On the range. The I guess, range. I guess. Um, I have ridden a horse once in my life. I have no. <laughs> I have very little reference for what a saddle is like. Yeah. Or uh, you know, it's what for that a experience. It's for I mean, a horse. Well, for I know it's for a horse, but you know what I mean. Like I don't. I don't have like a great knowledge of horses or saddles or riding. Luckily, this episode will require none of that. This episode is. We did after Charlie was born. We had. Um, a rough experience, I would say, mm-hmm. a, a difficult experience, and we wanted to share that because we had talked about pregnancy a lot leading up to it. Right. And we thought it would be, we had such a different experience this time, um, I would say overall easier, yes. I would say, but different yeah. and, and, and interesting. Definitely easier. And different ways, and, and people responded to the last episode so much, and I think that these are stories that a lot of people don't share, um, and I think that because of that, you have less of a, a idea of what to expect when you're expecting, <laughs> or or what um, I don't want to say what's normal because there is no normal, no but normal. what what is average, what tends to happen, and what, what can the, happen, what can I mean, happen, yeah. what the extremes are, and uh, some of the things that maybe we don't talk about because they don't seem as important, but are going to seem really important to you in the moment. Um, and also if we did a whole episode on Charlie's birth story and we didn't on Cooper's, Oh, it's a whole thing. I feel like someday they're going to be old enough that yeah. Cooper's really going to be traumatized it, by a, that. It's a whole th- <laughs> and, and also folks, this one doesn't require research and it's been <laughs> a bit of a couple of weeks. Um, so, uh, let's, let's, let's get into it. I didn't talk to you about this before, but I, th- I feel like maybe we structure it like, moment leading up to the birth Mm -hmm. first half ads and then after birth (laughs) gross after birth after birth yeah that sound good by the way can i just say when people say the word after birth they mean the placenta okay could we all call it placenta because after births there's something about that that's very yucky yucky but placenta doesn't Mm, and either way agree to disagree either way it's not yucky but for some reason the term afterbirth sounds i don't know so sid how did we get pregnant well do you want to ask charlie can inform you 
Yes. As she Twilight's... did in the car the other day. Yes. That the mommy has an egg and the daddy has nerves. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which... And the nerve and the egg have to meet in the right place. And then... Boom. Boom. <laughs> and we've heard her tell this four times. Boom is always part of the story. Then boom. Boom, boom. There's, babe, there's, there's a baby. baby. Yeah. And the doctor takes it out. Um, So we won't tell you how babies are made. No. No. You're going to have to go ask uh, a trusted adult. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Uh, but this was a very different leading up to the to having Cooper than it was with Charlie, I would say. Because with Charlie... I had very much planned on, well, first of all, I had expected a vaginal delivery because mm-hmm. that's what you expect. Yeah. I mean, that's generally what most people think is going to happen unless they know for some specific reason they have to have a C-section. And I had kind of a birth plan mm-hmm. and um, it none of it happened yeah. <laughs> the way that I wanted it to. Do you think that you were less inclined to focus on a birth plan yes for this one because we very intentionally i went in with zero expectations on that end because i knew one i knew that because charlie was so big and she was not able to fit mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of a vaginal delivery i knew that one i cooper was probably going to be big and two i probably wasn't going to be able to uh, have a vaginal birth after cesarean or VBAC, as you'll hear a lot of people call it, mm-hmm. even though it was an option that was given to me by our doctor. This is doctors. By our doctors. Yes. Yeah, I'll touch on that here in a second. But uh, it, it was an option. It was not, you know, I, a lot of people say, well, doctors don't even offer that. No, we were offered that for sure. Mm-hmm. It was no one told me I had to have a repeat cesarean, but it was definitely suggested that it was pro- whatever we decided to do mm-hmm. it was likely to end in a cesarean and i wouldn't necessarily advise people for their first time to not have a plan like i'm not saying that it's a no better way. i don't think so at all it's just we i think we sort of saw like that it wasn't going to be exactly what we had sort of initially hoped for mm-hmm. and we were sort of more focused on some of the stuff that came afterwards. Sure. And I think it's really important to know in my case, uh, for like a repeat C-section, why did you have a C-section the first time? If there was some sort of emergency where, you know, the baby was on the monitor and the heart rate dropped. And so they had to do a C-section really quickly because they were worried about the baby. You may be a great candidate for a, to VBAC to have a trial of labor and to, to, you know, vaginal for vaginal delivery the next time around. Uh, but if it is for the reasons that I had a C-section the first time around, if it's that your pelvis is shaped differently or smaller, or the baby's just especially large and it never progresses, uh, you never progress in labor, it never descends, then you may end up having another C-section. So people can get an idea of where we're coming from. Can you give a very quick summary of what happened with Charlie? So with Charlie, uh, one, she was uh, huge. What did the one doctor we saw called her a moose baby? A moose. A moose. Uh, (laughs) She was very large. She was nine pounds, 11 ounces. Mm -hmm. And my pelvis, as I have now been told by three different physicians who've examined me, (laughs) my pelvis is flat and small. And as one doctor put it, not a 10 pound pelvis. And I love it just that way. And in reference to the fact that I was 10 pounds at birth, Justin was 11 pounds at birth. We have big babies. We have large babies. I I don't have a good reason why Charlie was so large. Cooper was also large. Yeah. 
um, I that can be associated with gestational oh, you diabetes. Oh, gave a spoiler. They know they know that we had the baby. Man, well, yeah. The, the we half. should have prefaced with everything turns out fine. Uh, we fine. did that with Charlie. Yeah. Everything turns out fine. Yeah. In I, the end. And I think we were we were aware. Uh, okay, so you were still talking about Cooper. Oh, so anyway, so because Sorry, Charlie. because of uh, that, Charlie never descended mm-hmm. into the birth canal. She stayed mm-hmm. floating around. She was the head was what we would call balladable, meaning if you reached up and tried to was the head engaged down in the pelvis ready to start coming out she was floating around in there um never came down so and then c-section we, so we did a c-section and then yes. just run through the rest of because i don't want to misspeak so after the after the c-section um i had polyhydramnios which means i had a lot of extra amniotic fluid in there again i don't know why no the doctor didn't know why not, not sure didn't have any of the things that usually predicts that um, and Charlie had a lot of fluid in her lungs, aspirated some of that and likely had some inflammation. And as a result, had trouble breathing at first. So she spent the first week of her life in the NICU. I spent the first week of her life in the NICU with her. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was arduous. She came out just fine. She She's is fine absolutely She's fine. Great. But obviously it was not ideal. It was very scary. Yeah. And I think that, that, that. Uh, I'll say two things about that with regards to Cooper. One is that I think we try to do things a little bit differently during the pregnancy. I think you were probably more active, and I think we probably tried to mm-hmm. watch what we were both eating. A I little, a I little did, bit and I don't know. At the end of the day, I all the doctors that I was that I ended up seeing said that probably had nothing to do with it. But I still I don't know. I think it's normal to kind of blame yourself if things don't go like you expect them to, like Mm -hmm. what did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not saying that I necessarily believe that as a scientist, but as a mom, I'm always going to question, did I do something wrong? So I tried to be, have a healthier pregnancy. It's also, I think very normal to look for things that you can control because so much of this process is out Mm -hmm. of your control. Now we've referenced um, multiple doctors. You could explain that a little bit at this point. So our, our wonderful doctor who delivered Charlie who actually delivered me delivered Travis and Griffin yes and both my sisters Taylor and Riley uh who I have known obviously for a very long time and he's he's just amazing uh, yeah, one could say your yeah, entire life my entire <laughs> life first person to ever lay hands on me uh so he unfortunately got very sick right towards the end of our pregnancy he's an older fella as you may have guessed from him delivering yeah. <laughs> generations of people um and he's he's okay thank goodness but it was significant of an illness enough that he had to take a leave of absence from work, still is on absence from work, and not be available for the delivery, of course, which That I, was a rough day. It was rough, but... Mainly from, I should say, concern about him. Uh, yeah, you know. he's... I mean, I, 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 I work there, too. So he's sure. a colleague as well as my doctor, and I care about him a lot. So thank goodness he's, he is recovering. He's doing okay, but it was scary that late in our pregnancy, we were in the uh, 30th, 31st, 32nd yeah, week, something around there. And Sid's in an extra weird position where there's a handful of doctors there that had they been the ones to deliver the baby, they were doctors that Sydney like trained that were yeah. her former med <laughs> students and stuff. That that was one that was one thing is so luckily it's a big practice. There are a lot of other doctors available who are willing to take me as a patient right away. So I didn't have to worry about just finding a doctor. And also you I think you have a little bit of a leg up on on other people because you have a podcast. <laughs> That's <laughs> why they all listen to. No, uh, but I I was 
it is a little weird to be offered like there are multiple doctors and I train I like they were my students I taught them as students and the, and they're great and I'm sure they're great but I kind of wanted somebody I had never taught mm-hmm. so luckily we got switched to a different doctor in the practice who's been there a very long time who I knew as well um, and he was happy to take me on thank goodness yes and he was great yeah so no complaints about that okay <laughs> Uh, so let's see, you're pregnant for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, how was this pregnancy? And then I wasn't. And then that's you weren't. The, that's the how whole was this show. pregnancy uh, different from, from your last one? Uh, I, like you said, I tried a lot harder to, um, the first time around with Charlie, I think I thought, oh, I'm pregnant. I can eat anything now because I don't have to watch my weight. And that was silly. And I'm a doctor and I should know better because you still want to take care of yourself and eat healthy and exercise. And, you know, there. I'm not going to say like there's a right amount of weight that you have to gain Mm -hmm. and everybody who gains less or more is wrong. That's not true. But generally there's like an average range that is best. Mm -hmm. And I gained twice that with Charlie. So Um, I, I tried to eat better, be healthier. I felt better this pregnancy. I didn't have a lot of the symptoms, a lot of the problems I had the first time around. mm -hmm. Not nearly as much swelling. I didn't get carpal tunnel. One of the big differences I would say that came later on is the amount of uh, protrusion from your stomach <laughs> with regards to this child was absolutely mind-boggling. Yes. It definitely looked like a scene from Alien. It was wild. It, it yes. My stomach was very large. Uh, no, I meant like when it would poke out. When oh, she would like poke yeah. out of your stomach. Well, I was also very large. But we found out why. Uh, interestingly enough, this kid yeah. is in the 99th percentile for height. It is a big Good child. Figure. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how. When, when I held her after she was out of me, I thought, how did you fit? How did you fit? How did you ever fit? Which makes sense why I was always feeling limbs pushing both up and down. <laughs> uh, my bladder was constantly in pain and my diaphragm. I didn't know how that was possible, but it was. We also decided to um, go a little bit earlier than than last time. So technically at 39 weeks, you're still full term. But so we didn't we didn't go too early. But that what we did go at 39 as opposed to waiting the full 40 weeks. That's when your due date is, is at 40 weeks. And. We went 39 in one day, mm-hmm. um, which was just because we were full term. I was measuring large. We knew she was going to be large. And there was, a, there was a concern about the fluid too, right? We were mm-hmm. trying to avoid a, a repeat of that, that scenario. That and then just her getting any larger than she already was. Mm-hmm. And there's been some interesting studies, and I, I won't get into the whole thing about, uh, and a lot of this has been done with people who are of what they call advanced maternal age meaning you're over 35 mm-hmm. when you're pregnant. Um, and I'm not, but I'm close. And so there have been some interesting studies that have suggested like maybe inducing or doing something at 39 weeks in some cases is safer than going the full 40. Mm. And now, again, that's very situational. It's every patient is different. I'm not saying that's true across the board. But with all that in mind and 39, we know being safe for the baby, we decided to go at 39 and 1. So we uh, arrived at the hospital for our C-section, and I, I can only speak from my experience here, and I'm, I want your perspective as well. Um, first off, the thing that you are not ready for is, uh, there. Uh, but at least both the times that we've done it, there's a lot of waiting. You sh- we showed up 
probably four, I guess, by the time I was said and done, four hours before mm-hmm. the actual surgery. It was delayed, of course. All surgeries, I feel like, are delayed. No matter what time they tell you, even if you're the first of the day, that's everything good. always gets pushed that's back. That's good to know. It's good. I mean, like, don't have people show up late, but do let them know that they should bring a book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, and I, if for no other reason, then you're going to lay there a while and get anxious and just know you're going to lay there a while. Um probably i don't know maybe your hospital runs on a better <laughs> maybe maybe you're more organized but i tend to find that most surgeries something happens stuff comes up emergencies unfortunately occur mm-hmm. and thank goodness we weren't the emergency that's oh that's what i always try to keep in mind mm-hmm. if right. i'm being bumped for somebody that person's probably pretty sick and i just hope they're okay and i'm thankful that i'm not that emergency right now right um but we waited a long time in during which they pumped me full of IV fluids <laughs> Yeah. And I had to pee many times. Oh, yeah. You couldn't um, eat or drink anything mm-hmm. after 6 a.m. 6 a.m. So I woke, woke up, up at 5 a.m. and ate peanut butter crackers and drank water. <laughs> A bunch of water so that I wouldn't be dehydrated. Uh, so after all the waiting, which Sydney complained that they were icing the kicker, um, <laughs> we uh, finally went in the room. And the way it works, at least this is how it's been for us, they take the the uh, pregnant person into a different room where they get a ep- not a, 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 spinal. a spinal it's the anesthesia, the anesthesia so right. i am i am numb and paralyzed from you know just above my belly button down essentially mm-hmm. and then they took you in and started the the surgery right they, they well i mean i was in the or when they did the spinal so they take oh. me back to the or and get me prepped meaning they do the anesthesia, lay me down, you know, put the catheter in. Uh-huh. I'm naked. There's a sheet up at that point, so I don't have to think about everything that's going on down below. They asked us if it was okay if med students were in the room. <laughs> and Sydney's like, yeah, that's fine. And I was like, sweetie, is it really fine? I, she's like, yeah, it's actually less less fine. Th- this, is, this is my rationale. I don't care. I have let med students give me shots and do PPDs on me. Those are the TB tests you have to get every so often. I, I will let them examine me. I let them come in and talk to me when I am going to my doctor's appointments. I have no problem. I'm a teacher. I work at an academic institution. I have no problem with medical students being involved in my care. The thing that was different about the C-section is I knew I would be completely naked mm-hmm. and I have to lecture to these students and teach them and sometimes work with them one-on-one. And I just, once they've seen you naked, I thought that would be kind of awkward. So I had no problem with residents, obviously, uh, but I still teach those students. And so I, I didn't want them to see me naked. I didn't care if they came in afterwards to sure. like, you know, do whatever post-op checks and exams and all that stuff, but just the, the nudity. How long had they started the surgery before I came in? Just, uh, I think all they'd done was open me up. Just yeah, a few so minutes. they opened. All, all I can feel, all you can feel in case you've never had anything like this done, I can feel a lot of tugging and pulling and pressure, but there's no pain. So it's a very weird sensation. So I, as the non-pregnant person, had to put on like a, you know, a, a hygienic garb. And then they walk you into the room and they walk me past where the surgery was happening. So I kind of did this embarrassing, like, put my left hand up to shield my eyes so I could just, like, focus on Sydney's face and not look at her gully works. All, all. They don't want you to look. You, By the way, Charlie thought you looked like Mike TV. I think that's a good explanation for the sure. outfit you have to wear. And I was wrenched. I was gripped in. I didn't let it show, obviously. But I was gripped in uh, sort of mind-boggling terror because of the last experience we had. And it was not how I felt the last time. Like everything we'd heard up to that point about C-sections is like, you know, it's 
very safe, very predictable. Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 you go smoothly, go smoothly. Right. And then after the last one, which turned into, I mean, like they knew something was wrong with Charlie immediately and they were, she, she was whisked out of the yeah, OR she, before she wasn't the right color and yeah. we couldn't see what was happening with her. And she was, wasn't crying. I mean, like I was, I was already in therapy, but I was in like double therapy <laughs> after that. It was very, it was traumatizing. And obviously a lot of people had it a lot worse, not, not saying anything other than that, but like that is, it, it, that is the only thing that I could think about when we were in that in in the room when I was walking in. I was like, I just don't know how I will handle it again. And also, the last time um, Sydney's mom was in the room with us, that was which you're not really supposed to have two people back. Our and I'm sure it varies place to place, but at our institution, you're only allowed to have one person back with you during the C-section. Um, but again, Sydney has a podcast. Well, no, it was, and it wasn't even so much because I worked there. It was because my doctor knew my mom because he delivered me yeah. and both my sisters and had known her for a long time. And she just begged him and he said, okay, fine. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't my pull. Uh, so, so yeah. I, I was terrified too. Um, and I had told everyone in the room that actually before you came in, really? I told, um, the resident and the, our doctor already knew that. And I would had told the nurse anesthetist and the nurse that I was working with, I told everybody what I was scared of. Mm-hmm. Um, so they all kind of knew going in how nervous we were and how important it was, which they did a good job of as soon as Cooper came out. Is that okay that I jumped to that part? Yes. Which they had to, they had to actually use a vacuum to pull her out. Which she is, did not want to go. Which is not typical during a C-section. But she, she was in there and she was So big. glad I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I, when I heard it. It is pop, terrifying I, if you're a layman in that scenario because the people doing the surgery are chatting <laughs> to each other. And me, I'm like, as a non-doctor, I'm like trying to both listen and not listen because I know just enough to be like panicked about it. Like, I don't know. He said... Like well, I'm reading like tones of people's voices, uh, you know, it it doesn't help. Let me tell you to be the doctor who's laying there. It, it's not necessarily more helpful because when I heard there are a lot of adhesions to the bladder, I thought, oh, crap, because <laughs> I know what that means. What does it mean? Uh, so after any kind of surgery that you've had, you can have adhesions or like places where stuff kind of sticks together, like extra fibrous tissue and stuff inside the abdomen. It's sort of, it's not scar tissue, but think about it like in that same light Mm -hmm. that can form and it can make things stick to each other that shouldn't. My bladder was kind of stuck to my uterus. And so they had to separate them and then you risk like injuring the bladder, Mm -hmm. which is bad. They did and everything was fine. But I heard that as they were talking about it. And then I heard the vacuum pop off of Cooper's head. And I know that sound. So I said, are you using a vacuum? <laughs> Cause I, I didn't, I mean, they didn't announce they were using one. Uh, anyway, she came out and she was screaming from the jump, which was already a good I've sign. I've ever heard in my entire life. And is- the, because we had, I think been so nervous and I had told everybody that immediately the nurse starts going, she looks good. She looks good. And don't worry, mom, don't worry, dad. She looks good. Apgars are nine and nine. Those are good scores. That means those are good, good scores for the baby. Um, everything was looking good at first. <laughs> at first. And then um, she started grunting, which, like, mm-hmm. again, I didn't think anything of it. She was just grunting uh, yeah. and having difficulty, I guess, getting a good breath going. There was a lot of mucus, I a guess. A lot of fluid. 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 Yeah. Just, um, which can happen. She was big. So, as I mentioned, she was nine pounds, one ounce. She was 21 inches long. 
Her head was 38 centimeters, What's which up? is 99th percentile. So. McElroy! Yeah. <laughs> so she's a big ba- big baby. Uh, and sometimes with these big babies who are C-section, they don't get squeezed through the birth canal. Mm-hmm. And so they get they have extra fluid still in their lungs. The birthing process can squeeze that out of them. Well, she didn't get that. So she had some fluid in her lungs, and she was having some trouble getting it up. So she was grunting, and they were about to call the NICU when our nurse anesthetist, Cheryl. Cheryl. I will never forget this woman i almost tried to pivot on the name like let's just call her cheryl yeah cheryl uh she she was amazing and she said i got this and she suctioned her out did a deep suction which not all the nurses can do but she's a nurse anesthetist so she's allowed to and then when she was still grunting a little bit instead of calling the NICU that she said let's do skin to skin mm-hmm. meaning they uh uncovered the top part of me and uh stripped cooper down and wrapped her to my chest and covered us both in blankets. And within a minute, she was fine. It was, it was amazing. I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. I it's know the closest it, to magic I've ever seen in my entire life. I know it happens. I, I mean, ac- like, academically, I know that. But I've never witnessed it mm-hmm. like that. And it was it was amazing. We have a lot more to talk about in this experience. But we are going very long. So let's take a quick break to head to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the 
easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So um, things were looking pretty good for us. Uh, we were able to take Cooper back to the room and specifically we were able to take her back to her room and keep her there, which is kind of a new policy for y'all. That's right. So our hospital has uh, been slow to adopt the rooming in um, or what is also known as baby friendly um, hospital status you would think if there was a status called baby friendly that the <laughs> hospital would want to go for it so that might yeah. be some marketing in there um and that and there's there's a lot of controversy with that term as you may imagine because it, exactly what you just said it sounds like any hospital that doesn't adopt all these policies is baby unfriendly yeah right. and that and that sounds really bad but as a result of of the new policies they encourage skin to skin which means and this is a good thing by the way skin to skin there's a lot of evidence that says um, taking a baby and putting it directly on uh, the person who's just given birth's chest, skin to skin, uh, can help stabilize their temperature and their glucose faster. Obviously, we saw some improvement with like the breathing rate mm -hmm. right away. And um, and there's also like a lot of good bacteria that you're putting on the baby. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, mm -hmm. but we also delay the bath now. We yeah. don't, we don't bait. We used to like take them and scrub them down right away. And now we don't do that. We take them and put them on. Uh, on the person who's just delivered chest and that's good and uh, I got to keep Cooper there for a long time and then we just were wheeled to our post delivery room over on the other unit together which was great mm -hmm. and essentially Cooper did not leave our room after that with the exception of like yeah, to hearing, get weighed and yeah, do the hearing, hearing screen, screen yeah. only because the scale is they said too heavy to move from room to room so so that was basically it uh, as opposed to previously at our hospital and at a lot of hospitals, what would generally happen is the the nurses would come in to like give you a break was the thought. So we'll take baby and put it in the nursery for a few hours and let you take a break. Or like every morning routinely, they would come get all the babies and put them in the nursery so that the doctors who are examining the babies can come and check out the babies uh, all in one place. And now as you know, the, the doctors who check out babies, they just come to your room and mm -hmm. And they uh, will not take your baby to the nursery unless you specifically ask for it. So, and there's a lot of um, controversy over this. Yeah. So it's, and, and please correct me if I speak out of turn. Um, it, the, uh, it was really uh, difficult, I think, for some, like, and I was someone who kind of had a different experience because I wasn't allowed to stay in the NICU. So I couldn't sleep there. Um, mm -hmm. We had the room. Um, you had a, a hospital room for the first couple of nights that I was able to hang out in mm -hmm. with you. Um, right. But the. But once I was discharged and moved up to the NICU with Charlie, you had to leave. And Charlie wasn't in there with us. No. So when we, those first couple of mm -hmm. nights were like, it was rough because mm -hmm. it's not just, I mean, it's like 
you're what you're in a hospital. We were in a room where there was like a little bit of light coming. The, like our window was out to the interior of the hospital. Yeah. So there was like the always, atrium. yeah, there's always like a little bit of light and you're in a hospital, so you're not going to sleep well anyway. Um, I'm, I, you know, I'm on like a, a fold out, whatever, which was great. I mean, it was like, I thought I was going to sleep on the couch, so I'm not complaining there, but mm-hmm. like it was wake, you know, she was waking up pretty much constantly and you were recovering from surgery and like I was there and luckily like we're fortunate enough that I can I, I have a job that gives me paternal leave and I could take the time to stay with you there um, and we have we're also fortunate enough to have someone to watch our other child um, that she could stay with so we were able to do that but like I for a lot of people it's probably not an option it uh, it's really I think that's the problem with it and and let me say let me preface with I'm in favor of encouraging rooming in as much as possible i wanted that and even if our hospital had not moved to that i would have demanded it anyway so that that is where i'm coming from so that probably that probably is a bias so i just want to get that out there uh that being said the the problem is that i had a partner who was with me from the jump And so when, for instance, I first got back to my room, I still couldn't move my legs. So if I had had to get up and down to get Charlie out of her, or I mean Cooper, (laughs) out of her bassinet by myself, I don't know how I would have. I don't know what I would have done. And I think that that can lead to a lot of problems with, we worry about like, uh, I'm breastfeeding and we worry about people falling asleep while they're breastfeeding and holding their babies. Well, how are you not going to do that if you're exhausted, you're coming out of a C-section and you don't have anybody to help you get the baby back and forth into the bassinet and you physically, you cannot walk yet because you're still paralyzed. I think those are, those are issues that we haven't figured out how to address. And I mean, you can, the nurse will tell you, you can call them every time to come put your baby back in and out and help you out. But they also have other patients to take care of. You know, they're not gonna be able to come running at your beck and call. And you also feel like a burden saying, Hey, can you help me again? Hey, can you help right. me again? Because you have no idea. I mean, sometimes breastfed babies want to feed every 30, 45 minutes, it feels like. And you can't, it's not feasible to call the nurse every time you need to get your baby back out. Yeah. And we're not, uh, a lot of the stuff with medicine, we come at pretty hard from a perspective like, I don't know the right answer. It's it's complicated. Like It, it is because it really, in order to do rooming in, it assumes that you have a partner who can be with you 24-7. Now, we were we are very lucky because we're in a position where Justin was able to stay with me the whole time. The only times he left, I had someone else there, my mom, you know, or my dad would come. Yeah, like if Sydney needed to use the bathroom, for example, like there her options are one, leave the baby unattended. Mm-hmm. Not good. Well, they and that what they tell you to do is just leave the bathroom door open and pull the bassinet as close to the bathroom door as possible. Which I mean, that's fine. I'm not saying like right. that's bad. Yeah. It's just there are moments where you'd like to just go to the bathroom and shut the door behind you and have five minutes yeah, <laughs> to right. do that. And you you can't if you don't have someone else in the room with you. Or you can call the nurse and say, I have to go pee. Will you take my baby? Right. And they really they make it sound like the nursery is really for like dire situations. You're not supposed to send them to the nursery because you want a break. Right. I mean, they don't they don't explicitly say that, but that's kind of the underlying. Implied, yeah message and so and i so i think it would be very hard if you didn't have a partner or if you did but they couldn't stay with you like we have family support charlie was able to stay with my parents while we were in the hospital um if you don't have family in town or you don't have anybody who can watch if you have other kids 
Justin was able to take time off work. What right. if he couldn't have, you know? Um, now, not that, everybody is as lucky, yeah. you know, pri- as privileged as we were in this situation. Um, we did have, we were not completely out of the woods, though. We did have kind of a, a, a nerfing um, situation regarding um, Cooper's glucose levels. Can you talk about that? I mean, I could explain it it's, extremely well, but <laughs> I want to give you some time. It, par- so this would be a normal protocol for a baby that was as large as Cooper was or for uh, if I had had gestational diabetes, meaning diabetes during pregnancy. Uh, the the worry is that these big babies are going to drop their glucose levels because while they were in utero, while they were inside, they were getting all this excess insulin from mom. And so once they're delivered, they still have those higher, they're also circulating higher levels of insulin themselves. And so they're, they're lowering their sugar more than they need to um, because they're not getting all this excess glucose from the, from their parent anymore. So as a result, their glucose drops and the uh, Coopers did um, sort of. Yeah. They, they come in and check it every couple hours for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's very stressful because what we discovered is that when they came in and checked it and it looked kind of low, two things happen. One, they're doing it with this little heel stick. So they're getting like a capillary glucose level. It's like, welcome to earth. Yeah. <laughs> but then they have to send it down to the lab to actually get a plasma glucose like an official lab Mm -hmm. which is more accurate and while they do that they tell you you have to give your baby formula Um, the first time they gave me the option of breastfeeding her again which i did but then the second time they told me i the protocol is i have to give her formula and so you you err on the side of caution better safe than sorry you don't want to hypoglycemia can be deadly so you don't want to mess around with that but the um what you're risking is what happened to us, which is once the plasma glucose level came back, it was actually normal. Mm. So she wasn't ever hypoglycemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I which mean, we were bummed about, but it was really, I mean, like, this is not it, like it doesn't, it's mainly for the be able to say, like, that's all she's had, you know what I mean? Like, it's not gonna hurt her, it doesn't hurt. Formula. There's nothing like, wrong there's with no, nothing, no, wrong with formula. there's nothing wrong with formula. It didn't hurt her to have those 20 mLs of formula. Um, I think the only thing that frustrated me is I am, I I breastfed Charlie. I feel very comfortable doing it. I feel very knowledgeable about it. Uh, and I was not worried about breastfeeding Cooper. And, and I really don't think there's anything anyone there could have said to sway me to do anything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, so when we started, I luckily, I, again, I've been very lucky. I've had an easy time breastfeeding both my children so far. It has been not a problem for me. I haven't had any of the difficulties some some people face. That being said, I think if you were struggling a little bit or you didn't have a lot of support for it or you didn't know a lot about it and there isn't a tradition of it in this country, very well established, and somebody comes in and tells you, you're not giving your baby enough sugar. You've got to give him formula right now. I think you would be very inclined to say, oh, forget this. I'm just giving him bottles. So I, I think that it that kind of policy is hard if you're trying to breastfeed and you're not sure if you're doing it right and you're scared right. and you're new at it. For me, it was easy to say, okay, well, I'm just going to wake her up and make her breastfeed more because I feel confident that I can do that. I think I am a rare person in that regard, though. And I think that we probably could have pushed harder the second time. But honestly, I, I this is me speaking for myself. We were still kind of gun shy after the last time. Like we were, I think, it, on some level, we were paranoid that if we made too much of a fuss, they would take her away. I mean, like, I don't. I, I was scared about that. I, I mean, and that uh, some of uh, uh, 
some of that's irrational. Sure, of course. Yeah, yeah, no question. But but I I was scared after the first after the first go round of that, and I obviously you you know my doctor brain and my mom brain don't always communicate well, and so I err on the side of just listening to what other people are telling me when it comes to my children because I get nervous about trying to use my own doctor brain because it doesn't work as you well. You could have leaned on my doctor brain a little bit more. <laughs> Do you have one? I've heard a, a good portion of this podcast. <laughs> it was it was hard and I, no harm was done. So what? She got some formula. No big deal. She yeah. was fine. That's the most important thing. Um, but it was, I don't know, that's part of when we talk about baby friendly hospitals, part of that initiative is like more support for breastfeeding for people who want to and to not just automatically, like they used to just put formula in all the rooms. Like, here's your, you had your baby, here's your complimentary package of formula. And like, they've stopped doing that, um, which is, again, double-edged sword. I don't need it. I don't, you know, there are a lot of uh, people who might benefit from not having formula pushed on them. But on the flip side, it was sure nice if you've already made the decision you're not going to breastfeed. Sure, right. It was probably nice to get that formula right away. So I, there's pros and cons in general. I would want my kid with me the whole time, no matter what. I mean, but I again... If you hadn't been there, I don't, I don't know, especially in that first like five or six hours after surgery, I don't know what I would have done. I think what we're hitting on though is, is, and, and stop me if I'm wrong on this, but I think what we're hitting on is a lot of these things we're saying like, there isn't a right or a wrong or a one size fits all solution for some of these no, issues. No, it's got to be individualized. It's got to be individualized. But the problem with the system that we have currently is it's all dictated by there, there's very little room for Cheryl's in mm -hmm. the system that we have now yes. who are able to use their own judgment mm -hmm. and say, I am familiar with the situation. Here's what I think would work for this exact scenario. And yeah. it's literally so dictated by one size fits all. Like these are the, these are the policies that we have in place that there's not a lot of room for individualization. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, tr and, and I think that like some of that's good. There's a, I, I've met a lot of people and some of them I wouldn't necessarily trust to be making big decisions like that. <laughs> Sorry. I know I'm kind of undercutting myself here, but like, I, I think that that's what we're kind of coming, uh, bumping up against is that mm -hmm. it, it is a system. And like, because of that, there are going to be things that fall through the cracks like, and I mean, this is obviously again, not a big deal, but like giving your baby formula that it didn't need, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Which again, I am not. I don't want this to sound like we're knocking on formula because no, thank I'm goodness, it's, it's, thank goodness, formula was created for situations where breastfeeding can't or isn't desired it's, or whatever. But, thank, but thank goodness, goodness we have formula, this, right? Like, thank goodness there is a NICU, even though we, we didn't want to go there. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not like. Well, I just don't. That's such. I mean, that's such a. I'm, it's I'm such a tricky topic because on you, anything. you know, I'm you, that, like it, I'm not dunking on anything except like. The, Allowing daylight in the system for common sense yes. and good rationale and, you know, instinct and parent parenting mm -hmm. instinct, you know, like you knew that Cooper was eating fine. Like you knew she mm -hmm. was. But again, like that's a pretty serious thing to be messing around with. Right. Like, Which is. Yeah. No, it's it's hard. And the, I think that's the key to it is you have to be able to assess each situation and do its best. And protocols don't allow for that. Um, and when you're dealing with a newborn, there's so much that you'd better safe than sorry. You know, you so much that you'd rather err on the side of, well, just do the safer thing. Especially because you're not going to have physicians who are trained in this 
sitting in every room all night long. No. It's just not, I, it's just not going to mm-hmm. happen. You know, like, that's not the world we live in. But it, it's, I mean, definitely. And who's married to a physician, not necessarily the world I want to live in. I like <laughs> having you at home. But I think, I think this, this whole situation with, with rooming in, I think that we're mo- it was, it's a good idea moving in that direction because the hospitalization of birth there was a lot of negative negative stuff that came with it, which is like this idea that the baby does not need to really be with the person who just gave birth to them for a while. Like that, that's fine. We'll just separate them and go do a bunch of stuff to the baby and you can chill somewhere else. I mean, uh, the reintroduction of skin to skin and encouragement of breastfeeding. These are great things. These are important, wonderful things. But full time rooming in. I mean, one one decision I made after this uh delivery was not to take any pain medication other than ibuprofen i didn't want anything that would um affect my my thinking affect my mental status because hq sydney plays twice a day and she <laughs> has to be fast in the mother. after after charlie was born i was talked into taking one of the pain medications which is standard after surgery i mean and i felt very fuzzy and foggy and i couldn't think straight and i blamed myself after for her stuff happening in the NICU that I wasn't aware of not being like me being behind I kept coming up and finding out that things had happened as opposed to knowing what the next step was and I blamed me being kind of fuzzy on the pain medication that first 24 hours as for that and whether or not that's fair or true I'd already made the decision I'm not taking it this time around Mm -hmm. and I didn't and I'm not saying that's right for everybody but I do think that it was a lot easier for me to, one, be up all night feeding my child and not fall asleep and not have to worry about, you know, the dangers of falling asleep while you're breastfeeding your kid in the middle of the night, which is a huge problem and happens a lot. And we're hearing more often happen in hospitals where they're rooming in um, because I didn't have any pain medication in my system. Now, the flip side was, oh, I mean, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had surgery and, I, you know. It hurts and ibuprofen is good, but it's not everything. Right. Um, so I'm not saying you need to do that, but I, I think that my decision to do that facilitated this and not everybody's going to be able to, you know. But in the end, we got her home. Took her home. Yes. All's well, except she doesn't sleep. No, she ever. doesn't like She's actually not slept. Well, she, no. Which is weird. I think you would think <laughs> that she would need to, as a human, she would need to she eventually. She sleeps in the day. She looks like a vampire. She's asleep right now. She's asleep right this second. Yeah. But uh, but at night, she doesn't like to sleep so much. So um, that's unfortunate. But That part is you too know, bad. that's that's normal. You know. We'll ba- adjust. Babies. That's not a medical issue. We're fine. Charlie loves her little sister. Yep. She is. Uh, she adores her. Um, Charlie, by the way, wore little pink, hot pink scrubs that said big sister so cute it's so cute um on the on the delivery day but she they are they're getting along well trying to assassinate her occasionally she she tries to hug her and then smoosh her and we've had to work on that she told me that she might cut her hair but she wouldn't commit to saying she wouldn't cut her hair yeah um cooper's full name by the way is cooper renee i don't know if that's yeah and she's named for uh well renee is my mom's middle name right yeah but the cooper comes from both Betty and Dale. Yeah. Say. Yeah. Equal parts. <laughs> and also just because we like the name. Um, Jimmy Buffett asked me if it was for D.B. Cooper, which I think we should get it, work in there somewhere. Who's that? It was a name they gave to a guy that hijacked a uh, Boeing 727. 
um, back in the seventies, early seventies. Oh. Never, never got him. Wow. Yeah, it was wild. Well, wild story. No, um, not for. Not for DB Cooper. And also not for Cooper from the Trolls movie, as Charlie keeps insisting. Yes, that's not the case either. <laughs> um, folks, that is going to do it for us. Thank you for indulging us and letting us share this story with you. Um, and uh, we, we hope you got something out of it. Um, we'll be back to our usual grind in the, in the future, assuming we can at some point sleep. We and, will. Yeah, uh, we will. I'm, I'm, we're going to get back on it. I want to say thank you to the taxpayers for letting us use our song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. Thanks to the Max Fun Network for having us as part of their extended podcasting family. And thank you to you for listening and indulging us also in the the hiatus that we had to breathe new life into this world. <laughs> uh, but we will uh, return to you again next week. So until then, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.